Welcome to Theology for Little Churches, um, a series from B&A Church with me, Wayne Massey, and James Stevenson. Hi. Um, this is our first of these. James, tell us what we're doing in this short series. So we reckon there's a bunch of discipleship questions that go on in little churches that need some theology. So not a degree, um, but language that helps us build a common understanding. Um, so you gave me one earlier about Romans and grace and sin. Do you want to just explain that? Yeah, so I'm um, preparing a talk at the moment in Romans chapter 6, and Paul has basically told the Roman church that they've received grace, they're not under law uh, anymore, and so then he, you can see him going, oh, but hold on a second, they're going to ask a question, does that mean I can do what I like, because I'm not under law anymore? So he says, you know, should, you know, he basically then has a chapter in which he says, this is why we don't sin anymore and we commit ourselves to holy living. And essentially the thing behind the thing is we have been, uni- Jesus has saved us, but we have been united with him in his death and resurrection. And so therefore, as we are united with him, we must live like him. Yeah, and and so so that idea that Christian living is is holy and good and has a discipline comes out of this united with Christ concept, and so it's it's understanding the why sometimes things happen very quickly. Like when you watch football, quite often you'll see the ball pass back, and somebody who doesn't know anything about football always goes, "Oh, why have they passed it back?" But if they knew the why, which is that's to enable the players to do a reset, mm. they might not, you know. And and this is what we're going to do in this series is we're going to unpick the things behind some of the whys we do what we do. Yeah, so when it comes to things like, you just talked about grace and holy living, actually, in our little churches, we need to be talking about things like commitment to going to church on Sunday, being a part of the gathering, praying in our everyday lives, because actually the the holy living bears itself out in the way that we do our little churches. And, And we might go, oh, it's a shame that we're not seeing you right now. Or we might kind of have a sense that something's not quite right, um, but we don't necessarily have the language to talk about. Actually, you know, we know we know the grace of Jesus, so we want to live that out. So our hope is that we will give some language um, in these next few episodes that will help us to understand a bit more about the theology of what's going on in our little churches. And if you think theology is not for you, um, a very wise person once said to me, everybody is a theologian. The key question is whether or not you're a good one. (laughs) So our hope is that in this series, we will help us all to become better theologians. So today, James, we're going to talk about four very important concepts uh, for us at B&A, a biblical understanding, and then an application of them through our little churches. Tell me what those four are. The kingdom of God, the church, the world, and culture. The kingdom of God, the church, the world, and culture. So James, tell us about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is a term that you'll hear used quite frequently. You may be familiar with it, but just a, a reminder, it's a term that emerges in the synoptic gospels, so in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, it's how Jesus announces his public ministry. We understand it to be a place where the rule and reign of God is breaking into this earth. Tom Wright talks about falling in step with. Do you want to just explain that? Yeah, so um, the first recorded words of Jesus um, are in Mark's gospel, and Jesus says the kingdom of God has drawn near, and the Greek there literally means fallen in step. It's drawn alongside you, it's walking with you, which also is a kind of picked up in the Emmaus Road when Jesus falls in step, falls alongside the two mm. friends as they walk to Emmaus. And so, so it's this idea that you're on a journey and suddenly, ooh, I'm walking with the kingdom right here. So when we think about the kingdom of God, we're not thinking about this thing that is elsewhere. We're thinking about something that 
is drawing alongside and we can fall in step with yep. it. Um, but that then reminds us of, of this um, what's described as the now and the not yet of the kingdom. So we're invited to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we know that the kingdom of God has come, is coming, but has not yet fully come. So we live with this tension um, of God's rule and reign being present, but not here as it will be in the end. Um, we, we also know that um, the kingdom of God is not bound by the church. So in Acts, we see the breaking out of the kingdom, particularly in the life of Cornelius, um, uh, beyond the boundaries of the church. And so we should expect when we're engaging in our little churches um, to see the kingdom of God breaking in beyond the boundaries of what we might call church. We would expect to see people experiencing the kindness of God and the Holy Spirit beyond those who would call themselves Christians. So we should always be looking for where the kingdom of God is breaking in. And in the history of the church, you often see what we might call moves of the kingdom. And they, you know, like whether it be like in, our, in recent years, healing on the streets, for example, that, that when the activities of the kingdom are taken out of the church building and out of the church gathering and placed in the public square, mm. things happen because the king, that's one of the ways the kingdom is wired is to be expansive and to be in the places where people need it. Um, as opposed to sort of trapped in a box on a Sunday morning. Good. So that's the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is bigger than the church, but the, your second word was the church, because the church is... The it, people, not the steeple, as we know from the rhyme. But it's also um, really important because it's God's tool and vehicle for ex extending his kingdom. So tell us about the church, James. Yes, okay. So it's the people, not the steeple. It's Jesus' body here in earth. It's his bride. It's his temple. Those are key themes that emerge in the New Testament. You can go to 1 Corinthians 12 to look at the body. You can go to Revelation. I can't remember which chapters to think about him being, uh, us being the bride. Um, uh, and um, the temple appears in 1 Peter 2, doesn't it? As well as elsewhere. Ah, funneling. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so um, your little church is part of the body of Christ. It, it, it is the body of Christ. Jesus orders you. Um, he is the head of your little church. Um, uh, but your little church is not the whole. Um, it's part of the body. And that's the same for us at BNA. We are part of the body. And, and one of the key things we need to remember when, we're, when we are um, involved in our little churches is that... Um, Jesus says that he will build it, not us, um, and, um, and he invites us to make disciples. So the instruction for us is to make disciples, and he says, I'm going to build it. Um, and, and so when, we, when we're in our little churches and we're thinking, actually, come on, I, I, I need more people. I need more people to do this. Or um, uh, then actually what we need to concentrate on is how we show those who are already there what it means to follow Jesus and trust him to build the church by sending workers into his harvest field. Um, now, obviously, we can help workers to end up in the right harvest field and we can show them what to do when they're there, but actually we've got to trust him to um, show people what it means to believe in Jesus, to, to convict them of their sin and their need for grace. And we can be involved in that, but actually he is the one who builds the church. Earlier on, I talked about your little church, Beyond the Gate, is a really good example of that. What have you seen in the last couple of years, Wayne, there? Um, I think there's two things. I think I think what we have seen is we have seen the, 
the building of community and family. And, and, and the first one is there's, there's the wider Beyond the Gate family. So that is everybody who comes to Beyond the Gate. Um, so ex-offenders and members of BNA. And there is this sense of um, mutual support, mutual love and helping one another. Um, and that's rooted in how we understand what it is to be Christians anyway. And we just kind mm. of extended that to mm. the guys who come. And that is one of the ways that we're showing them what it looks like to be the church. So actually, we're not saying, so we're not trying to create an environment that is, um, you, you know, like as in we're, you know, they're the customers and, and we're, we're, mm. we're providing a service that we are all in this together. Mm. Um, and then actually what I've seen, I think, in terms of us as a team is that actually as as members of the Beyond the Gate team, we have grown together in mutual love and support. And in our discipleship, as we have sort of this coming back to your earlier point it's sought to extend the kingdom into these yeah. guys lives and so so actually our my our, my hope but i think our hope is that when they turn up on a thursday is that they are exper- they are meeting jesus because they're meeting jesus's people yeah. doing what jesus would do full of his love yeah. um and yeah and, it, and it, it's hard work and it's slow work but it's beautiful work and uh, so you've had new people join recently they all have come with a conviction that this is the place where God has called them to serve. So yep. Jesus has, is building beyond the gate with new members who are coming with a conviction in the spirit that this is the place to come. You haven't been recruiting people. You have been showing people what it means to follow Jesus in that space. So, so, here's, so here's an interesting concept, I think, around church. Is Church is not something you choose to join. Um, if you, back we talked about Romans, if you are mm. united with Christ, you mm. are automatically in church. Yeah. And and actually we don't choose church. Jesus chooses us. And we and this is why the image of the body is so powerful because you know the thumb can't wander off. Yeah. And actually so it's not like oh I don't feel like getting involved in church or I don't feel like coming to church. Actually if you are united to Jesus you are in church. And the writer of the Hebrew says do not give up meeting together. And so there is this sense that actually we have been chosen to be part of Jesus, to be part of the church. And so that's the story is actually when you're thinking about for us as little churches is realizing the importance of being with others, but then also the Lord sending us to where he needs us because we're his workers in his harvest field and we're part of his body. Good. So when you're in your little church, you're thinking about the kingdom of God, where is it breaking in? The church, how Jesus is building it and how you can be making disciples in it. And your third term was the world. The world. So this is a term we've got to handle carefully um, because it's a, a word that is used outside of the church more commonly than the kingdom and the church are. Um, uh, in John's gospel, he uses the, the, the term the world to refer to um, the material and spiritual, so the seen and the unseen opposition to the kingdom of God. So it's almost the antithesis, yeah, it's, it's the antithesis of the kingdom of God. So in, so if you think of the psalmist, always talks, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. Yeah. Whereas for John, the world is what has been set up and created, material and spiritual, that is opposed to the kingdom. Yeah. And um, uh, so St. Augustine, 400 years later, 300 years later, I can't remember my dates, comes along and basically frames a threefold resistance to the work of the kingdom in terms of human sin, the world, and the devil. And so the world is um, is this force working against the kingdom. Um, it's something that God loves. He so loved the world, John chapter 3. Um, and we are invited to be in the world, but not of the world. And so 
later in one of the um, letters written by John, it, 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 we're invited not to love the world. And, and in that sense, it's not to love the world's values and espouse them, not to say, oh, well, God loves it, I don't have to. So it's... it's a- <laughs> I'm going to use this. There's Bristol Rovers and Bristol City. And because I'm the Bristol Rovers chapter, Bristol Rovers is the kingdom of God. Okay. And, 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 but God loves Bristol City because he wants them all to discover how amazing Bristol Rovers is. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the kind of love we're talking about is actually, you've made a mistake supporting Bristol City. And I love you so much. I want you to see how amazing Bristol Rovers are. And to all the Bristol Rovers fans, I want you not to love Bristol City. Don't go buy a Bristol City top and a Bristol City scarf. But I do want you to love them by showing them how amazing Bristol yeah. Rovers is. Yeah. Does that make the thing? Yes. And it's a, it's a, so that- in the context of our Ukraine hub, um, there is a call to love um, those who have come to this country, who eat, whether they're Christian or not, as refugees, because we're called to love the world um, and acknowledging that... Um, uh, they're, they come, you know, with, with you know, even into the hub, there's a kind of, at times we see um, sinful behaviour in the way that people interact and there's a kind of a selfishness and at times a tribalism that, that we don't like to call out, but it's, it, it's there. So the world is present in, in that setting. Um, but we're called to, to love. Um, but then also we know that actually um, uh, the, the next night, there might be some um, pro-Putin people at, at Salford. We, we know that that's happened. Somebody came wearing a, a kind of a um, uh, one of the kind of Russian symbols um, and was aggressively pro-Putin. They're to be loved in that setting as well, even though we don't, ag- we might not agree with what the world is saying. Um, so we're we're called to um, to love the world. So it's, and I think the thing for, so if you think about, you know, partner with God where the kingdom is breaking in, be a member of the church, you know, that God has placed you in. And then I think it's, it's, it's love the world, but I think it's read the world. So actually do you, most of us just go through our days with our kind of mind switched off. You know, next time you travel down the Gloucester Road, just ask yourself the whole way down the Gloucester Road, what are the, what are the messages being chucked at me from all the, yeah. you know, the, the posters at a bus stop or the shops or whatever it might be because yeah. the world is constantly bombarding mm. us with messages leading us away from the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so, so whilst we might love the world and want to see it redeemed and people come into the kingdom of God, we have to also be kind of just really aware that the world has an agenda for us which is yeah. not good. And it and, will have an agenda for your little church yeah. which is not good. So yeah. you've got to work out what that agenda is and start praying against it. So um, kingdom, church, world. Culture was your fourth one. Culture. Um, now, this, unlike the others, is not a biblical term, but it's a concept that appears in the Bible. Um, so as the gospel travels across cultural boundaries in what's known as the modern missionary movement, so sort of mid-18th century onwards, um, philosophical and theological thought um, goes into the intersection of the church and culture as um, kind of ethical behavior questions get raised that aren't in the Bible. Um, So, uh, for example, um, uh, it it came up for Nikki when she went um, 
few hundred years later to to Fiji with some American Christians and Fijian Christians were totally familiar with having tattoos and American Christians didn't mind having the odd cigarette but Fijian Christians couldn't work out why American Christians were smoking cigarettes and American Christians couldn't work out why Fijians would have tattoos now um, that's been blurred um, in the last 20 years or so but but that those are examples of how the church interacted with culture in those different settings and things that um aren't explicit in the scriptures as things that should not be done um uh, become assimilated in in different cultures but other other ethical behaviors don't in other christian cultures and and that's kind of a, a fruit of christianity's engagement with culture um and um how it how it has done that over the years it in more basic terms it, it came out in the translation of the bible so when christians got to india and they engaged with hindus they had the decision as to whether they would translate the word god as just god or whether they would translate it as brahman which is the name of the hindu god mm. and, and actually the decision was god in in um in India is known as Brahman, but he is revealed uniquely in Jesus. Then you have questions like, if you go to a non-bread-based culture, how do you translate it when Jesus says, I am the bread of life? What do you do with communion? And, and those kind of questions about how Christ interacts with different cultures um, are a key part of how we do mission in the church, even today. And cultures, like, talk about it like, it's a culture, it's like, it's like, being a fish it's the water you swim in so you don't notice it yeah. and so conversation and you notice you notice cultural conversations when you are when you when possibly you find yourself going oh i feel a little bit uncomfortable about that so i had a conversation with somebody recently who um was talking about um was talking about raising children and basically just said i don't think you can have please feel free to disagree with me if you want to but if you, but they basically said, I don't think you can have two full-time parents in the modern world. Mm. And this person wasn't a Christian. And, 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 but actually, we live in a culture where that says yes to that. Now, that might be right, it might not be right, but have we thought about why that is? And that's the whole thing yeah. about reading culture. When you read the Gospels, you talked about the synoptics earlier on. Mm. One of the most useful things you can do is, is learn about the culture of the day. So there's an amazing novel, The Shadow of the Galilean, which is not really about Jesus, but about the people around Jesus. And it makes you go, oh, see the Gospels in a new way. So it's, culture is that kind of... It's just how we are, what we do, and um, and it's always worth reading it and trying to understand it because the gospel has to, the kingdom is coming in it, but the gospel has to be applied in it as well. Yes, and um, so for example, when we think about how we engage with people from other cultures, as we are at the moment with people coming from an, from Hong Kong, from an Asian culture, we've got to think about what, what are the things behind the way that they culturally have received the gospel that amplify it, that's really good, that we need to listen to? Um, what are the things about their story that amplify it that we need to listen to? Um, but then also how how does their understanding of the Christian faith intersect with ours? And what are the things we need to be careful of as we interact with them? Um, uh, we had uh, um, a friend um, of a friend come in the summer from Burundi, talking about how forgiveness had worked its way out in in their um, uh, ethnic groupings in in Burundi in the context of a civil war, uh, and they they bring things to the 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 cross-cultural understanding of the Christian faith that's really, really important that we need to hear that are amplified in their setting in a way that it isn't in our setting. So there's the kind of cultural ethnic bit, but there's also the kind of 
what are the subcultures of the way that we the people that we're engaging with so when we think about um how we engage with people who are homeless and vulnerably housed there's a there's a kind of there's a culture of um behavior and a way of engaging with life um that that has a beautiful humility to it and at times a generosity to it that is quite countercultural to often what um, middle-class Christianity is but then there there's a kind of um, an ag- at times a, 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 an aggression to it that that needs to be we need to be really careful of and, and Christ wants to come into that culture and he wants to transform it and when he comes into that culture what we'll see is what's already good that's there that's made in the image of God being amplified but what we'll also see is what's not good being transformed so the the theologian uh, was it Reinhold Niebuhr? Um, Niebuhr basically he said Just give that, him a that Jesus, Jesus isn't against culture. He's not um, of culture. He is. Tra- he comes to transform culture. Um, and so when we think about the cultures around us, we should always be asking, well, how is Jesus wanting to come into this culture? And transform it. And it's not there is not just one Western culture. There, you know, there's a culture in your workplace, there's a culture in your family, there's a culture in your street. And it's worth and all it's worth maybe even just sitting down with a piece of paper and and the way in, I think, is to is to kind of mind map what are the values of this place I'm thinking about? What are the things that really matter and that they hold dear? And they would, you know, they would fight, they would fight to rate retain. And then and then to kind of weigh them up as to which what you know, which need transforming and which need um going affirming but that's that's a very key task i think for church so the kingdom of god the now and not yet of the kingdom of god and um, where is the kingdom of god moving in and through your little church the church jesus build it we make disciples how are you showing people what it means to follow him in your little church the world we're called to be in it but not of it Where's the battleground in your little church? How is the world contesting what's going on in your little church? And then finally, culture. What are the cultures going on in and around your little church? And how is Jesus wanting to come in and transform what's going on in those cultures?